You've heard from the sheriffs, now it's the turn of the deputies. National's Deputy Leader Nicola Willis and Deputy Prime Minister Carmel Sepuloni. It's just over a week till the polls close and things have arguably turned a little bit nasty with allegations of race baiting and name calling. Chris Hipkins is still locked down with COVID and the latest poll shows Labour's spinning its wheels on 26% and unable to form a government on those numbers. Nationals apparently stalled too, but at 36%, it does have a path to power, but it's with Winston Peters. And that has prompted a campaign cameo from a former Prime Minister trying to tidy up some political loose ends. So the deputies, do they always agree with their Chris or Christopher? What would they give up to be in government? And are their policies on point? Carmel Sepuloni is live in our Auckland studio and Nicola Willis is in our Wellington studio. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being with us. Kia ora. Good to be on the show. Nicola, let's start with you. Nationals rolled out its big guns, right? So John Key warning of a potential coalition of chaos. Um, I mean, why is Nationals so scared? Oh, we're not. It's pretty common for former party leaders to make cameos in campaigns. We've seen Jacinda Ardern advertising her voting. We've seen Helen Clark involved in fundraising emails. This is par for the course in political campaigns. Yeah, but you've put out a companion campaign that says, imagine eight weeks of uncertainty. You're talking about being unable to make change. I mean, are you genuinely fearful or are you just scaremongering? It's a really important message for New Zealanders to hear, which is that a lot of people are taking change for granted at this election. They think it's a done deal that there'll be a national-led government after the election. And our message is, don't take it for granted. If you want change, you're going to have to vote for it. And the most certain way of voting for it is a party vote for national. Right. You said, and I'm quoting you here, I don't want to go into government with New Zealand first. So you know Winston Peters then, and he's not for you? Our first preference, and we've been clear about this, is to go into a partnership with the ACT Party, uh, and if we have to pick up the phone to Mr Peters, we will. So did you ask your leader to rule them out? I have had lots of discussions with uh, Chris Luxon, but no, that's never something I've asked him. So you were on board with him in this decision of opening the door to Winston Peters? Yes, I'm sure sure Carmel uh, has the same experience which is that we have discussions with a wide range of people before we make important decisions. Okay, well, let's find out. Carmel, um, was the Labour leader's decision to rule out New Zealand first, was that a captain's call or did he specifically consult you first? Uh, We all back that call, 100%. Uh, Many of us come from having been in government with New Zealand first and know how difficult it is. Uh, And some of the rhetoric that's been coming from New Zealand first in in recent months is, is incredibly worrying. And so... Uh, it, the leader has made a call, but I tell you what, um, we're, we're all 100% behind that call. We do not want to go into coalition with New Zealand First, and we will not go into coalition with New Zealand First. What was so harrowing about the coalition with Winston Peters? Obviously, and New there's First. some things that are said behind closed doors that you can't discuss in open forums like this, but it wasn't easy at times. Uh, and as when you I say said, that, do you mean Winston Peters wasn't easy or the rest of the party wasn't um, easy? A combination of both. But what is even further disturbing is the recent rhetoric that's been coming from New Zealand First, particularly Winston Peters, uh, and that doesn't align with Labour values. We simply could not work with them. So I'm wondering, Nicola, does Nationals' values align with some of the things coming out of Winston Peters' mouth? 
our values are Nationals' values. We believe in strong families and communities, personal responsibility, reward for effort and achievement, equal opportunity, entrepreneurship. Uh, but to ask me to agree to every policy of either New Zealand First or Act would be like asking Carmel to agree with every policy of Te Party Māori, including a separate justice system. But you set your own standards, or every don't you, Nicholas? Policy. I'm asking yes, we about do. your we standards. Do. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm telling you about our values as a party, which are the values that we stand for and that we're asking people to vote for at this election. I can say with uh, Te Pāti Māori and also the Green Party, there is alignment of values there. We may not agree on some policies, uh, but I don't think there's too much of a differentiation around values, uh, whereas what we see with New Zealand First are clearly a differentiation of values. And so I think Nicola needs to be clear about whether or not their values align with New Zealand First uh, and some of the things that he's been saying. Nicola, do you want to well, respond? Respectfully, yeah, respectfully, Carmel, one of the core values of the Green Party at this election and actually the bedrock of every single one of their big spending policies is a wealth tax. That's together not a value. With the That's corporate a policy. Tax. That's but not it a is value. The core That's a of the, if you spoke to a Green Party member, they would say that their value, and I've listened to Green Party candidates in debates, is that they believe it is the right thing to do to impose a tax well, of that sort in order clear, to fund measures. As far as I'm concerned, there's a difference between values and policy, and that's one of the policies that they're proposing. And On so values point, may align, policy considerations and what we would do differ. OK, Carmel, on that point, the Green Party, I suppose their values are that poverty is a political choice. So are you condemning voters to living in poverty by not adopting a wealth tax? No, we've been able to uh, reduce child poverty in this country under our six years. We've got 77,000 fewer children that are living in poverty. And many of the policies that we have chosen to implement, whether it be uh, increases to benefit, increases to the minimum wage, uh, child support pass on, uh, lifting abatement thresholds, all of those help to contribute to reducing child poverty. Do uh, you personally believe in a wealth tax? Do you think that would be the right thing to do? Your that is not view? our party policy. I'm not asking you about your party policy. We're not Plenty going of your MPs have expressed their personal opinions. My personal I'm asking you to be upfront and honest and tell yeah, us what sure. yours is. So my personal opinion is that this is not the right time to do it and we're not going to do it. And so I'm very clear about that. You, you don't like the idea of a wealth tax? No. I don't think that this is the right time to do it. And that's actually what uh, Chippy has said. He said he doesn't think that it's the right time, so he's not going to commit to doing that, and I agree with that. Next term, could it be the right time? You can't plan ahead for the following term. Each election, we go in with a policy manifesto of things that we are committed to doing in that particular term, and we have ruled out a wealth tax for this term. OK, Nicola, let's talk about your policy in terms of the back pocket boost, right? So, how many families will get the maximum $250 a fortnight under that policy, please? Well, it will depend on what childcare costs are at the time because they have risen quite rapidly in recent years. It will depend on the number of people earning uh, in particular income brackets Four at part, the time. please. Look, it'll be around 3000 Wow. Okay. Around 3000 Is it false advertising then, misleading your policy? No. What we've been clear about is that's the maximum entitlement You haven't actually been get, clear, Nicola. Meaning, I think you've been... Yes, Carmel, I have in front clear of me. with New Zealanders. I, have, I think uh, I've heard I about my one answer, about Lisa, nine or times. Are you going to allow this to continue? Where you did not it make it clear. Could I finish my answer? Where or you, you did not make it continue? clear that it would only be okay, 3,000 well, people turn. that were eligible for 
up to two hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty dollars a fortnight. I feel like it was very misleading, actually, Nicola, and you need to face up to that. Okay, Nicola, your response. Carmel says it's Could misleading. Could I please have the opportunity to respond in full without interruption? Please respond Our now. Our commitment to people has been clear. We have said that we will let people keep more of what they earn with tax relief of up to $100 per fortnight for an average income household. We've been very clear that's the maximum entitlement. For someone earning $60,000 a year, that's a median income earner in New Zealand, they will benefit from $50 a fortnight from our tax plan. So you could benefit, if I can finish my answer, that's going to help us. If I can finish my answer, really going to help us. The largest number of families get what, please, Nicola? I have not finished my answer. We've then Did you said answer that? that, that, that we've then said, I didn't hear your question because I'm trying to finish my answer. Okay, if you could just pause for a second, that, We've please. then said that 130,000 families will be eligible for the family boost policy. And what that policy does is it refunds people's childcare costs up to 25% of their childcare costs. So obviously how much of a refund you get depends on how much your childcare costs are. All right, Nicola. So the maximum you, you could we get, get is we 150 get the per fortnight. I do get the picture. So you're saying around 3,000 families get the maximum, $250 a fortnight. Can you tell me, please, the largest group on your calculations is how many people and what will they get? So that we can get an we idea know that of where the biggest one, chunk is. Around 1.4 million New Zealanders will benefit from at least $30 in tax reduction a fortnight. Right, okay. Let's move I just on. would like to comment on that if that's... Quickly. Quickly, I just want to say that very minimal return on those tax cuts, given that what we've seen is interest rates will go up, inflation will go up as a result of those tax cuts, and of course our public services are going to be cut as well. Ultimately, New Zealand would lose if National had the opportunity to implement those tax cuts. And I reject every single one of those assertions. And well, it's not just me making Minister, those assertions. And in particular, Minister, I take issue with this. Under your government, New Zealanders are struggling through one of the worst cost of living crises our country has ever endured. And the families that I speak to on their doorsteps tell me of the sacrifices they're making, not even giving milk to their children. And I tell you, for them, $30 a fortnight, $50 a fortnight, up to $250 a fortnight will make to, a big Nicola, difference. The reality is your tax cuts are mostly going to benefit the most wealthy New Zealand. That is absolutely and actually, untrue, Minister, and you know it. absolutely focused on those Our New Zealanders that are getting the lowest the income. Okay. National hasn't. Okay, thank you. Carmel, if I can come in here. Uh, I mean, you've had this whopping great mandate, and some people will say you've failed to deliver, so you're accusing Nicola and her party of not doing enough. You've had the mandate. You pulled up stumps on Kiwi Build. Um, Phil Twyford said he'd, you'd end homelessness in two terms. You've got thousands of Kiwi kids living in motels. Why haven't you been braver? Oh, I think we've been brave. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't some New Zealanders out there who are struggling at the moment. And we inherited a housing crisis. We also inherited thousands of children that were living in poverty. It was always going to be a journey in terms of implementing the change that would make a difference in those people's lives. But some of the statistics that I've already rattled off are proof that actually we have made a difference. When we compare what we have gone through uh, with the pandemic to the GFC, 
We didn't see the spike of children going into poverty that we saw at that time, unfortunately, and that was incredibly sad. Um, but we've got more work to do, Lisa, right. and I'm never if going you, to shy away from that. You've got more work to do, but if you did enough, why is it that Labour has become so unpopular so quickly? You have halved in essence, your support. Yeah. 50% of the votes at the election and you're polling 26%. So you... We're still going to work hard for the next nine days and see what happens on election day. But How I, you come know, you got I'm, so unpopular so quickly, I, you know, please, we've if been you through, delivered? We've been through so much as a country. Uh, the pandemic was difficult. The weather events have been difficult. The cost of living increases that everyone is experiencing internationally, but New Zealand is feeling you know, absolutely um, those things have made life difficult for New Zealanders. What I'm worried about is some are looking uh, for a change to try and fix what the circumstances are or to, to, to make them feel better because it has been difficult. But actually the change uh, that could potentially come in is not going to work for New Zealand or New Zealanders and actually is going to see us worse off. And it's not just Labour saying that, the economists and others are saying that too. Okay, Nicola, I'm wondering why Chris Luxon doesn't resonate with voters. 25% isn't it on the preferred Prime Minister stakes? Well, he's more popular in that poll than Chris Hipkins, so... I think he does resonate with a lot of New Zealanders uh, and I think that the style of leadership that he's providing and what she wants to be focused on results, getting more value out of the dollars that are spent by government, delivering better, those are things New Zealanders desperately want to see from their government because they have been let down by Labour. You know, Labour promised to solve the housing crisis with 100,000 Kiwi build homes. I think how many have been delivered, Carmel? Is it 2,000? Well, I mean, I mean it's certainly not 100,000. They promised to build light rail did, to Auckland Airport. They haven't laid the a single metre of it. For public housing they, that we said, currently have. they said. They said that, uh, well, the waiting list for public housing is four times what it was but when you took the office. Thing is you and under your watch, houses, Nicola, there you are around 3,000 children last night who had to sleep housing. in an emergency so we motel room. So if you want to run on your you, housing record, then that national, seems a very strange thing Nicola, to do. as a reminder, it was under national that emergency housing policy had to be implemented because, sadly, it's there were so many watch, New Zealanders sleeping Carmel, in cars. Been, so well, we have been building houses, Nicola. And thousands we have more New Zealanders being forced to live in a motel public under your and there watch. Are more okay. to come under Let, us. Let's talk about some of these vulnerable people that you are both talking about. Nicola, why are you comfortable taking away $2 billion out of the pockets of Aotearoa's most vulnerable people, beneficiaries, to fund tax cuts for arguably middle and upper classes? Why are you comfortable with that, given your worries want- about all these vulnerable people? We want to ensure that every year beneficiaries experience an increase in their benefit to ensure that benefits keep up with the cost of living. That's what we deliver through our policy. But I'd you are taking away $2 billion year, that they would have got. You've got that in your list of savings in your budget. So either either you're making a saving of $2 billion by taking that money out or your budget is wrong. Which is it? I would note that this year, using the different formula which Labor introduced in 2019, that would have meant that beneficiaries' benefits didn't keep up 
with the cost of living. And so they were forced to intervene and adjust it using the former index that we're now saying we did the should be thing, the principle Nicola. in place. Well, under our policy, you wouldn't have to do that. No, Nicola, that's not fair. Beneficiaries can have certainty about how Nicola, much they will be you, getting you, each you year and how much more. This, and we think that's important. CPI has only outstripped wage growth about two times in the last two decades. Um, that certainly was the case this year. Uh, we did not want to see our poorest, most vulnerable people left behind, and so we did shift it this year. But inflation is set to outstrip uh, CPI next year. And so by doing what you are doing, you are taking off the poorest New Zealanders to give to your wealthy mates in the form of tax cuts. That is not only wrong, it's actually immoral. And I think I utterly, that you really need to reflect reject on that, that decision. characterisation. Right. The people who benefit most from our tax plan, and this is really important, Lisa, the people who benefit most are those earning median incomes. Someone earning $60,000 a year gets more from our tax plan than me or Carmel They're will. not going to benefit if, as, as, as part of it, as the economists have said, interest rates go up, inflation goes up. I'm sorry, but you're just to, wrong to say here. that's what... Carmel, I want a quick answer to this before <laughs> we move on, please. If you are so worried about the National Party's policy regarding beneficiaries, tell me, quick answer, please, how many of your welfare advisory group recommendations have have you fully implemented? Oh, 42 recommendations. We've gone through this, Give me a number. How many have you implemented if you are so worried? It's not a tick box Okay, so you're not willing to give me a number? I'm not going to give you a number because, as I've told you before, there are so many that are ongoing. So no number for what you've done Increasing public housing. We haven't finished that. Let's talk now about forming a government and coalitions. I want to ask you both. Nicola, can I start with you, please? What personal political opportunity are you prepared to give up to make sure that you can form a government? Well, it's not actually about me at all. Uh, it's about uh, the Prime Minister, who I hope to be, Chris Luxon, the leader of the National Party, forming a strong, stable government. And that negotiation will take place after the election, once New Zealand voters have cast their votes and made a choice about which parties they want represented. So you'd be Parliament. happy to give up the finance portfolio if that was the difference between being in government or not? As I say, it's Chris Luxon's choice, and he's already indicated that he wants me to be the finance minister. So, have you got an um, agreement go on that. that? Have you got something in writing? Is that a not negotiable? <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's just what he has said. And um, look, I take him at his word. And would you be happy if he created another position that went above the finance portfolio if indeed you were in government and it was treasurer and he gave that to Winston Peters? Would you be okay with look, that? I, look, uh, that's just a hypothetical that Everything we discussed Everything here is hypothetical, including with. your tax policy, including whether you're going to be in government. So let's discuss all the hypotheticals, right? Not just the ones that, you know, people are more comfortable Lisa, with. So would you be happy? Your question, the answer to your question is this. I will be happy with whatever role Prime Minister Luxon asks me to fulfil. OK. Come out, Labour is all about the collective, right? So if you wake up on October the 15th and there is a possibility you could form a government, if you ditched your leader, Chris Hipkins, would you do it? We're not planning for that scenario at all. And okay, so that price is too high for government, I, getting rid of a leader? Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, and I have to say, you know, he's been working incredibly hard for his caucus, for the Labour Party, for the country, and a great deal Don't of respect. Don't you owe it to your voters, though? People who give you your support to do what you need to to get into government? A great deal of respect for uh, Chris Hipkins. We want him to continue as Prime Minister. Uh, he has a plan for the country. He's got the values that align with New Zealanders, a 
more generally, uh, and he's incredibly hardworking. So you'd full go government and keep Chris Hipkins. Okay, Nicola, um, I'm just wondering when you, if you are in a position to form a government on October the 15th, some voters are going to expect their lives to be instantly better, right? Their expectations have been raised. So can you please give me a time frame for which they will see improved cost of living, a material change to their um, circumstances, lower inflation, better interest rates. What's the target? 100 days? Six months? Year? Well, we've set out the actions we will take in our first 100 days, the minimum actions we'll take, uh, and that's all available on our website. We want to be a decisive government that's making a difference quickly. Uh, And what we want to ensure is that in our first year of office, inflation comes well down, that we have uh, a much better cost of living as a result of that, uh, and that we are implementing the changes needed to get our country back on track with tougher sentencing laws, uh, by ensuring that we're going after the gangs, by ensuring that we're lifting education standards in our schools, that we're addressing chronic okay, workforce thanks. shortages in our health so system. So no, no specific time frame. Carmel, several electorate seats are on a knife edge with the Labour and the Greens potentially splitting the vote. Auckland Central, Wellington Central. Why is Labour's attitude not to develop a more strategic approach? Are you too stubborn or proud to do some deals here? Strategic approach with respect to cutting deals uh, with other political parties. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Sir John Keyes put out a um, video giving people some advice on how he'd like things to go. I mean, you could do the same, couldn't you? Why not? Um, we're we're ab- absolutely convinced that it's important that we run for each and every seat with integrity uh, and that we go in there to win those seats. Now, in the event we don't, then we don't, but we put 100% behind it um, regardless of that. And I think that that's the expectation of of our party more generally, and we need to live up to that expectation. Okay. There's been talk that this election campaign has been pretty aggro, so let's, you know, let's give a bouquet to someone. Nicola Willis, your favourite MP from another party, please, and very quickly why. You've got 10 seconds or so. Uh, Look, I really like... um uh, Barbara Edmonds from the Labour Party. She's a good person. She's got lots of children. I respect the way that she manages her role and her family. Same choice as Christopher Luxon. Carmel Cipollone, across the aisle. Oh, Who do you I admire and why? I had a chance to, to think about this, whereas That's it sounds like Nicholas had a chance go. to think about it. Um, you know, people like Ian McKelvey, he's a really nice guy. He's, he's no easy longer to get along. He's easy. He actually <laughs> is still right now. All right, um, we've got to nice leave person. it there. We've got to leave it there. Thank you both of you, Nicola Willis and Carmel Cipollone for joining us for the Deputies Debate back tomorrow.